This is Caps PA announcer Wes Johnson, and you're listening to Bull the Pod. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Puck. It is a Washington Capitals podcast, which means it's a podcast about your 2018 Stanley Cup champions. Thank you all for listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player.fm, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube. Well, the Capitals have done it. They have named a new head coach. He's a guy that knows the system pretty well, Spencer Carberry. He is the new head coach of the Washington Capitals. Joining me, as always, to talk all about it. He was in the running. He did not get picked. We'll see what happens. Coach Dan, what's going on, man? How you doing? Still want to point out that your nickname for me for this show doesn't really fit. I'm always like, I'm always more the general manager because I'm always like, ooh, which player's getting signed? Who's getting <laughs> traded? What moves are we doing here? Like... I coach a little footy, but not uh, not hockey. General so, manager but, Dan doesn't have the same ring to it as coach no Dan GM though. GM Dan doesn't really work. It's yeah. kind of long. Unless I you call know, you I GMD, have... GMD could be good. I don't know how I feel about this. GMD. No, I, I, I get. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Let's get with our first show in a while. It's already gotten off the rails. <laughs> Well, here we are. We had to do a special show. The press conference today made it official. It was 11 a.m. on NBC Sports Washington. Spencer Carberry, he is officially the 20th head coach in the Washington Capitals organization. He's uh, he's a guy that knows the system pretty well. He's uh, he's a guy that ever since the head coach position became open, everyone was saying he was the front runner uh, because of his long history with the organization. So. Dan, you know, let's open it up. Tell me, what do you think of this hire? Uh, what do you think of his history with the organization? And uh, let's go through it all. I mean, this guy is a a first, he's a rookie NHL head coach. So this is kind of different than Brian McClellan, what he normally picks up and what he wants to do. So tell me, what are your thoughts all about this hiring? I like it. I feel like was when we were on the Locked on Caps podcast with Dan Holmey, the last we two weeks, about. everybody, you got to check them out. It's over on YouTube. We got one more. Yeah, we got one more coming up. Come see my messy office, my messy home office, <laughs> uh, and see what Brandon and I actually look like. So I, I feel like when we were on there, we were talking about this, and I, I liked Carberry. I think Halpern is a better story mm-hmm. in terms of having him come back, but I think from a hockey – and I think Halpern's going to get a, an NHL head coaching gig at some point, whether it – you know, things don't work out, I'm not going to win, it's here, then somewhere else – but I, I feel like this was the right move for this team. And it felt like it, it's not quite as much fun of a story as Halpern's, but like from a story, there's still a great, there's still great uh, at the risk of repeating myself story behind this one. I mean, the guy played in South Carolina. He then coached in South Carolina, left to go to Providence, the baby Bruins to be their assistant, uh, to be an assistant coach with them. Then came back to Hershey was the head coach left to Toronto to be in the NHL with the Maple Leafs as their assistant coach. And now he's back here again with the Capitals organization as the newest head coach. I like it. I think he's going to bring a lot of aspects that this team is missing. Um, Not the lack of hair. They certainly, I think it was my sister who pointed out that the Caps really enjoy hiring coaches with no hair. (laughs) Uh, I think Laviolette was good, but uh, you know, Trotz seems to be missing a bit of it. When he was here, if I remember correctly, uh, Reardon, he lacked hair. So does Carberry. This is stupid. We should cut this whole part out. Anyways, <laughs> with, with with Carberry, what I like from him is that he he focused on the offensive side. He focused on the forwards in Toronto. He focused on the power play. And this is a cap scene this past season that was not good on uh, from scoring goals. And that lacked a lot of the ability for their forwards to put the puck in the net. I mean, overall you should be getting goals for defense. Hey, if a goalie wants a while, that's fun. But really the forwards on this team needed a bit of a, a shakeup in terms of getting some more goals scored. It can't just be Ovechkin. And then he worked on the power play, which this team had gotten really stale with. And that when it was on, it was really good. But when it was off, it was really bad. And I think having him come in, having coached those things in Toronto, I think makes a lot of sense in terms of where this team can move forward. I think he has a lot of 
uh, experience in terms of coaching some of the guys that he's going to be working with. And not only just the young guys when he was in Hershey or in South Carolina, if you worked with anybody there. But remember, during like preseasons, they bring up some of the Hershey coaches to like come in and work with some of these guys. So it's not like he's going to walk in the door the first day and Ovech is going to be like, who's this guy? You know, he's, he's going to have had some experiences with him before. Not a ton, I would imagine, but he's going to have had some with him. And so it makes a lot of sense to have him on this roster, uh, on this roster, leading this team now. But the other aspect that I like about having him come in is you and I talked about this a while, and McClellan talked about this. They needed to bring more young guys into this team. They needed to get younger and likely get faster. And that's very easy to do when you have a pretty decent depth uh, in your organization in the minor leagues. Having a guy come in that has worked with a number of these players that ha- he's worked with in Hershey or even South Carolina – it only helps to speed up that process because he already likely knows what makes them tick, what makes them work, what types of coaching works for them and what doesn't. What are they really good at? What are the areas that they're not very good at? What areas can they grow in? Even if he hasn't been working with them the last two years, I'm, I, you know, because he spent that time in Toronto, I'm really confident he's going to come in knowing what he wants to see and what these guys are capable of. And it goes back to Laviolette's comments about what well, the little guys didn't take the opportunity that was given to them. Well, that's your job as the coach to not only just give them an opportunity, but coach them up. So my question is, did Laviolette do enough to coach up the young guys? And is that something that Carberry can do? Is he going to be able to come in and coach up these young guys and actually build something here? Because if he can't, that's going to be part of that's going to be a big problem. It's not just about Ovechkin and chasing Gretzky. The team needs to be good for him to catch Gretzky. You know, well, that's not actually true. He probably could catch him with a with a bad team. But if the team is better, it just makes it easier for him. So I really like this move. I think it makes a lot of sense, and I'm really excited to see what the decisions they're going to make and what they're going to do going forward regarding some of these players and who he thinks he can work with and who he's going to come in and go, you know what? I think we should try and move them out because I just don't see how that fits into what we want to do. Yeah. I, I'm also a big fan of this, of this hiring. Uh, as we said, we, we appeared on the locked on uh, capitals podcast not too long ago. And uh, I said, Spencer would be my leading candidate. I like the fact that he knows this organization and let's just go over the list of, of guys that he worked with while he was in Hershey. He was her- with Hershey for about three years. He was there during the COVID years, which was really rough, of course. Uh, but we had Martin Fehavari, who has made a huge uh, impact on this team already. you got to imagine they have a good connection there. Alex Alexiev, Lucas Johansson, Connor McMichael, everyone, of course, expecting big things from him. He's doing really well in the Calder Cup playoffs right now. Uh, Alexia Protus. We have Joe Snively. Beck Malenstein. He also worked with assistant coach Scott Allen. Also, I think it's also important to bring up the fact that when he was in Toronto, he was working with Rasmus Sandin. So he has a lot of connections with this team. Uh, I love that he was in this organization, but he also left for a little bit. And I think that's important because if you are someplace for too long, you kind of get stuck in their system. You don't think outside the box. You don't take other aspects of of the game or, you know, just in general in life. You know, you, you don't take these skills that you learn somewhere else because uh, you don't have that opportunity if you're just stuck in the same place all the time. So the fact that he went to Toronto, he had to deal with the media of Toronto, which, I mean, the media in D.C., it's... Not the easiest. Not the easiest. D.C. is a hockey town. You know, it, it travels all the way up to Baltimore, where I'm located as well. Everybody loves the Caps, and people are excited about this hire. And the fact that he was in Toronto, he had to deal with that rabid fan base and that media uh, outlet. And he came from Hershey, which is also a rabid hockey town, but at the AHL level. So he got a little taste of everything. I like the fact that he was through South Carolina. He was through Hershey. He tried the NHL, and this is his first shot at the NHL level. I think... These are all good steps for his career. I think this is good for the Capitals' uh, organizational career. I think this is good for Ovi's career. Uh, I've always been a big proponent of bringing up Hershey Bears and putting them in the lineup and see what happens. I've always said that as long as we've done this podcast. I want to see homegrown talent. You know, when Riley Barber didn't work out here, I was bummed because I followed Riley Barber as he got drafted, when he was in the World Juniors, when he was with the Bears, to see him not be able to take that final step into the NHL in Washington, I thought really sucked. And it, it you know, it happens to a lot of people, 
It's not just the Caps that do this, but I hate to see somebody that you drafted went through your system and then just lose them uh, and not have a shot at the NHL. But Spencer is one of those guys that did that, maybe not in the player sense, but he did that, went through the organization, and now for him to be here, he's going to help those players going through the system. You know, he, he knows what it's like to move up and to work hard. And during the press conference, they said that he's the first guy at the rink and the last guy to leave. I want that attitude in a coach. I want that. And he's going to live, breathe, do everything. Live, breathe, eat, hockey, Washington hockey. And you need that in a coach. You want that in a coach. I think we can get that. This is a guy with a fresh perspective. And, Coach, let me ask you this. Is it going to be weird the fact that the head coach – is only about four years older than the star Alex Ovechkin. Like, how do you think they're going to gel? Is this going to be a, uh, I'm not going to listen to you, you're only a couple years older than me, or is this going to be like a respect thing right off the bat, like you're my coach, I'll listen to what you have to say. What do, what do you think it's going to be like to have Ovi, the star of the show, have to take, you know, advice from a guy who, you know, four years older than him? feel like we've always heard, not always, earlier in his career, we would hear about how Ovechkin um, not was a coach killer. You know, when Alex Salmon was here and we drove on fire and the Canadian media was all like, oh, Alex has worked with this many coaches and how can anyone trust him, blah, blah, blah. Like, every coach that has worked with him has always had good things to say. Every player that has been with him has always had good things to say, except for Mike Green. That one time he wanted to get away from him after scoring against the flyers in the playoffs. Cause he was worried that Ovechkin was going to essentially body check him with <laughs> in excitement. But I, I feel like he's going to come into this going, they're hiring him for a reason. He clearly trusts this organization because he's sticking around. He doesn't badmouth the organization. He doesn't badmouth his coaches. Yeah. There's one time that he allegedly, the lip readers out there were saying he called Boudreaux not in a very nice word, but in when has anyone ever not been mad at their boss or their supervisor at one point, right? Like he's sure. just in a public stage. So he got caught, but I, I think he's going to come and he's going to go, look, this guy's shown he's, he's what was it earned his stripes. What's the, what's the phrase? You know, he's worked hard. He's gotten himself into a position so that he can be a head coach in the national hockey league. And if it wasn't with the capitals, it was probably going to be somewhere else. Probably this off season. Right. And so why not try and, you know, be the team that that brings in this young up and coming coach that can be with you? I, you know, ideally, if things are going well for a really long time. And so I, I think this move makes a lot of sense. I think it helps Ovechkin. I think there's nothing in his history that we have seen that he's going to come and be like, well, you're only a few years older than me, so who says you know more than I do? I think the reality, and if I remember correctly, Carberry talked about this during his press conference, that our introductory conference, that whatever, um, he expects to be able to talk to the leadership group on this team, and he expects to involve them. And I think we see that more and more in sports these days, that it's not just about the coach standing there and going, you guys do what you I tell you to do. It's, I'm going to come with the plans. It's, it, it falls on me to make the right decisions, but I have a group of people. I have this leadership team, uh, you know, five, six veterans on the team that I'm going to run ideas by. I'm going to talk to because the young players are probably going to, you know, if they have some concern or something, they're going to talk to the older players. And then the, those guys can relay it to the coaching staff. And so they're all going to work together. I don't think it's like it used to be like when I was a kid playing. Well, it was different because you're a kid. But, like, I don't think it's like sports used to be. I don't think it's just the coach comes in and barks orders. I think it's a it, – for lack of a better term, it's a team effort. And so everyone's going to be working together. And I think it starts at the top and it falls on him. Just like we would complain about Laviolette. If the young guys aren't coming up and playing well, that's a question for Carver. It's a question for McClellan as well. Cause he's the one that brought these guys into the organization, but there's questions for Carver. This has got it. And I imagine it was part of his part of the conversations when he was interviewing was we've got these young players. We need to get younger. How would you incorporate them into this team? Here's what we've got. You know, show me your depth chart or something along those lines. I mean, I don't think they would use like pen and paper, but maybe, maybe they're the Bruce Cassidy method and they used a napkin. But there's certainly there's a great opportunity for everybody involved here, and I think Ovechkin is probably excited to an extent because he's because he has a an offensive minded coach who's going to come in and want to set him up. They're gonna. It sounds like they're gonna play hard on the forecheck. They're gonna apply apply a lot of offensive pressure. And for a big physical dude like Ovechkin, he's probably like, yeah, this is gonna give me more opportunities to score goals. So I'm on board. 
Yeah, let me let me. Um, I'm glad you kind of brought that up because that that's going to be my next question here. Ovechkin obviously, like every other player, wants a Stanley Cup. He wants another one. However, he does have another goal that he has to reach, and that's beat Wayne Gretzky's record. He wants as many goals as he can possibly score. With Spencer Carberry coming into this organization, what does that mean for Ovechkin's chase of Gretzky? I mean, it improves it, right? Like, it has to. Well, <laughs> doesn't have to, because things could certainly knock on wood go south. But I think they're not bringing a defensive-minded coach. They're not bringing in, and I think it could have worked out in the end, but they're not bringing in Dale Hunter. They're bringing in a guy who's offensive-minded, who wants to score goals. And I think he knows how to work with the defense, and he's going to work with some really good goalies, which I'm sure he, to some extent, had an opportunity to in Toronto. Interesting enough to work with Ilya Samsonov. That he's, it, I think it only improves the, the chances of him being able to catch Gretzky because he's offensive-minded. He's going to want to set this team up to play when he was today. He was talking about two big things. He's big on pace and he's big on being connected, which obviously you have to be connected. The five guys on the ice, because if you're not on the same page, it's going to be really hard to score goals. And you're passing the puck to an empty space because you thought the guy was going the other direction. And so that I, you know, that took away, but that was also kind of like, that's just obviously something that's going to need to be addressed. And I don't think that was, is to say the players last season weren't on the same page, but I think that's just a big thing that he want to say is like, we're all going to be a team. And of course you're going to say that. But the pace thing I found interesting because then he kind of he didn't backtrack, but he explained that he's not talking about speed, which, yes, is important because this league is getting faster and faster. I think what he's, he said he's talking about, he's talking about puck pressure. He's talking about forecheck and he's talking about using the, the uh, team pace to be able to apply pressure and just force other teams to. And again, this is, for, this is not verbatim. This is me sort of my understanding of what he's trying to say, but bend teams to our will in terms of doing what we need to do by it's almost like in, this is not necessarily going to say this brand new, but it's almost like what Arsenal is doing when they apply this high for uh, uh, a lot of pressure in the uh, other team's uh, final third or our final third, where right. you're just constantly applying pressure. You're basically constantly applying a pressure to the defense, which makes it really hard for them to get the puck out of their zone. My understanding is that that's or I think that's what Carver is going to want to try and do. And this is going to be a high energy, efficient, uh, high paced team. And so I'm excited. I mean, speed would be great. But that doesn't do you any good if you can't actually keep control of the puck and apply a lot of pressure in the offensive zone. So I'm excited for what he's going to be bringing. I, you know, there's certainly room for him to grow. I think we have to understand that there's going to be growing pains when you hire a first-time head coach in the NHL. But I think because he's been a head coach before, some of those growing pains we're not going to go through. Right. If he's always been an assistant coach, but he was an assistant coach in the NHL for a long time, there are certain aspects that he'll already know because he's been in the NHL for a long time. Because Carberry's only been coaching in the NHL for two years and he never played in the NHL, there are aspects that he may not, you know, little things that you and I obviously won't necessarily pick up on, but there are little things that might come up that he just didn't know. Probably behind the scenes, locker room things, various ideas there. But there's aspects that he, he's been a head coach and he's been a head coach in in levels that have veteran players, obviously not guys as high as talented as like an Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom, whatever the case may be, but guys that have been around in this league a long time and are not just going to listen to the coach because they have to necessarily. So uh, I think this was a great move. I think we have to understand there's going to be some growing pains, but I think there's enough veteran guys in this lineup that he, you know, it, I, I think it's going to go well. I think this was a really good move for that, but I haven't made that point enough. I think this is a really <laughs> good move for the team. And I'm really excited. Like I was kind of like, well, this past season, I was like, this kind of sucks. Obviously, Laviolette's not going to come back. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, I, I, I feel it again. Getting like, Oof, I wish it was September already. Like, I want to see, I want to go to a preseason. I'm going to take my son to a preseason game. Like, cause it's going to be cheaper. Like, I want to see what this team is going to do because I'm excited. And, and the next big thing is free agency. Well, the draft and they still have to resign some guys before free agency, but I feel like those, that's kind of, we already know what's going to happen. Like McClellan said today that they haven't started the conversations with Favari, but they're clearly going to. Right. He expects that to happen soon. They've already signed Alexiev. Sandine, they have another year, so they have some time to sign him to a longer deal. And I think that makes sense waiting to, you know, get a little bit more um, time with him to kind of see what you think you're going to want to offer him and how he plays. And it gives him a uh, an opportunity, Sandine, that is, to play a little bit more. And if he continues to play well, be like, you can raise that number up a little bit in terms of what his next contract is going to be. But um, McClellan was talking – I forgot. I completely went off track here, Brandon. What was I talking about? McClellan was talking about how they need to sign some guys. Oh, 
free agency. That's the next big thing to be like, who are they going to sign? Cause I think, or trade for, cause I think that, and that may take a little bit longer after like July 1st, but that will show us, I think what this team is trying to do or who does Carby come out and say, Hey, these are the guys that I expect to make the roster come, you know, early October um, in the fall. Now, everyone's talking about Spencer and the power play and what he was able to do in Toronto. And obviously, the Washington Capitals had a really rough time with the power play the last couple of years. It's it's for lack of a better term, it's been abysmal for the last couple of years. So what is he going to bring? What do you envision Spencer's Washington Capitals power play to look like? And how is it going to be different than what we've seen in the past? I just hope there's no more slingshot. I hate that thing. That like you're going forward and there's room and he passes back and I'm like, wait, <laughs> like I don't understand it. Turn around. So I well, actually they technically don't turn because they just kind of whip it around, but that's not the point. You know, I I think the power play to an extent is going to be depend. I didn't see a lot of Maple Leafs games or any unless they were playing the Caps. So like I don't know specifically how it's going to be, and I imagine there'll be some changes from when he was in Toronto, not a ton, but. I think it also depends on the players. Like, who are they going to bring in? Who are they going to have? Is Kuznetsov still going to be here? Is Mantha still going to be here? For all we know, Carver could have gone into the into the, the interviews or whatever and been like, I know how to use Anthony Mantha. Like, this is what I want him to do. I know what I need from Kuznetsov, and I think that I could talk to him. We've had some good conversations in the past at you know training camps or whatever. And so I think there are certainly opportunities for this team to um, improve on their power play. But I think we're going to have to see who they bring in or who they don't get rid of to know more in terms of what they might do and what we might see. And there were some comments today, again, from McClellan about Backstrom. Like, I feel like he's trying to subtly through the media be like, retire. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Which for me, I'm like, okay, I, I see where your head's at. Who's playing third line center. Cause it's not Nick Dowd. Who's out now. He well, not out. Cause they're not playing, but like Dowd just had surgery. So it doesn't sound like like McCullough's not worried about it. He'll probably be back, I would imagine, by preseason. But who who's playing third line center? Like, yeah, you get a ton of cap space. You could probably sign a guy. Maybe it's maybe it's McMichael. You know, does he come out and play third line center? I don't know. So there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks regarding the roster. But I'm sure McCullough has an idea, and I'm sure uh, Carberg has an idea because he. I have to imagine anybody you're interviewing when you're trying to bring a new head coach, you're gonna be like, what do you want to do with this roster? And especially one that's as unsettled as the Caps are, at least in terms of the forward ranks. Right. Like, that's a big question mark for this offseason. This is a big offseason for Brian McClellan. And, uh, well, let's, uh, I want to I go back to Brian McClellan, but I do want to ask you this since we're talking about the power play. So let's look at the first power play unit right now. Uh, at least this is what it was last time dailyfaceoff.com was uh, updated. But yet they had Tom Wilson, Dylan Strome, Nick Backstrom, Alex Ovechkin, John Carlson. That's... Unit number one. The second power play unit was Sonny Milano, Yevgeny Kuznetsov, Connor Sheary, Craig Smith, Rasmus Sandin. So that first power play unit, I don't see a lot changing there. I mean, Nick Backstrom, who knows what's going to happen there. But that second power play unit, except for Rasmus Sandin, Sonny Milano, you know, potentially you've got three spots you could switch up there, depending on what happens next in free agency or the draft or trades or whatever. So... I don't see a lot changing with the first power play unit, but that second one, definitely there's going to be some tinkering going on. But I think it depends on who they bring in, right? So, like, you have Backstrom on the first one, right? So, if, say, you – let's say you move out. Let's say Backstrom retired. I mean, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he stays on the roster, right? Maybe you move out Kuznetsov. Does – or maybe you bring in – um, regardless of those guys, maybe you bring in a, a top six winger. Is that person taking Backstrom's spot on the first power play unit? If you move out Kuznetsov, is that person taking Strom's spot on the top power play unit? Like, I think there's so many question marks regarding the forwards that it's hard for us to really know anything. I could see definitely the second power play unit. I mean, that could be complete, at least the forward ranks could be completely changed in terms of what they're going to do. Um, but the 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 first one, or not what they're going to do, who they're going to have. But the first one, I could see that getting shook up pretty good you know i could even see carlson potentially moving around to kind of spread the wealth a bit not because i don't think he's good or as good as he was before he clearly is i think do you spread the wealth a little bit and i also think we could see potentially shifts in terms of like 
times where it's a power play in the middle of the game and it's, you know, if the caps are up, just Carlson shift to the second one and they bring up one of the other guys like Sandine to the first one. And right. then, oh, we need a goal. We're going to move these guys back around. So I think we're definitely going to be some flexibility as well as I think some changes. And again, it not to, it's not my cop-out answer, but I think this offseason will tell us a bit more in terms of who's going to be where. Because I could see at least two guys switching out of the first power play unit and four dudes on the second one. No, three, because I think Milano will still be out there no matter who they sign. All right, so let's go back to Brian McClellan. So, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't have a crystal ball to tell us what's going on. But, hypothetically, if this Spencer Carberry thing doesn't work out and he's here maybe a year or so, is this Brian McClellan's, like, last coach hire? Like, do you think... Like you always say, he's got like the the seat warmer on in the car. You know, is he's his seat's not, you know, he's not on the hot seat, but it's warming up. Could this potentially be like one of his last hirings uh, if this doesn't go well? I think if this doesn't go well, I don't know. Because have you ever seen Leonis get rid of somebody in the middle of the season? Not like a if, GM. If, if, let's say by Thanksgiving that they're like close to bottom of the division and it's not working out and the team looks disjointed. Like I could see, I could definitely see the thing is, I don't know if it's going to be hard to find a GM in the middle of the season, but I could see them being like, this isn't working. We're going to move on from the head coach. And you know what? It might be time to move on from Brian, McC- Brian McClellan as well. But I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, I think this is, this has to work or they at least have to be competitive, right? So if they if they go if they're back in the playoffs and they're back to fighting for the division and maybe they don't win a cup over the next few years, but if they're like still a really good team, like I could see in 3 to 4 years they're like, you know what, maybe Carberry isn't the guy to get us over the hump, but they definitely got better and we tried something. Like I think that then McClellan's like I don't think it's a situation where he's out. But if this team is bad this upcoming season, I could see him and doesn't look like there's any signs of improvement, if anything is getting worse, I could see him also being gone. Uh, so you you kind of just took my next question. So I don't know. We I might cut this out, but we will see how your answer goes. But what is a successful hire? Is it just getting back into the playoffs? Is it a Stanley Cup run? Is it winning the cup? Like, how do we measure whether or not this hire is a success? I think there's multiple things that need to happen. Like, it's not just one thing. I mean, it could be. Because you could, like if they make the playoffs and look like they're a good team, but they're not able to bring up the young guys and they like for what you know they bring in other veterans or whatever and it works out right like that could be considered a successful season to an extent. In my mind, it's it's bringing in bringing up and bringing incorporating some of the young players and making them better, and it's getting back into the playoffs and looking like this team is going somewhere. Like, this is not a team that is built, like, if they don't win the Cup next year, they're a failure. Like, this team is just not built for that right now. But to be fair, when they won the Cup, we didn't think they were built. I mean, they were about to fire trots in November, it seemed like. So, you never know what could happen. But I think there's multiple things that I want to see. But there's a number of different things that could happen. Like, let's say they miss the playoffs, but they're competitive. They're just not good enough. But the young guys are getting better. Like, I can see it being like, well, there's things to look forward to, right? That would probably be the, the like, worst of the, okay, you know what, I see there's something here scenarios. I think this team has to make the playoffs next year. It definitely has to be fighting for it, but has to make the playoffs next year and has to incorporate the young guys for me to be like, this worked. This isn't a team that can, they're not rebuilding. They can't afford to just just bring up the young guys. Like this is a team that needs to win now. This that's the promise they made to Ovechkin. This is this is a very different hire than we saw with like Peter Laviolette or even with Todd Reardon because you're not coming off of that Stanley Cup championship high number one, and you're also kind of given free range to to start building right now. Like you like you said, it's not in a rebuild mode. However, Spencer Carberry is walking in to a all right we need Ovechkin to beat Gretzky's record so you got that on your plate but other than that you've got uh, a brand new team to build 
You know, you do have a, a veteran core, but you have a lot of the talent that you kind of worked with in Hershey uh, coming up right now. And you've got the eighth pick in the draft that you get to pick. You know, at least I'm sure he gets a say in who they're picking or what he's looking for. So really, this guy's coming in and he, he gets to, like, build this team almost in his own image, like his own likeness. He gets to... You, you do have those veterans there that are kind of like set in their ways and has a certain way of doing things, but you're, you're not stuck there. You know, you, you do have these other teams, these other players that you can kind of mold and bring in for the future. So I, I we've been saying it the whole time. I think this is a great hire. I think Spencer Carberry is going to be a lot of fun to watch, and I think he's coming into the perfect situation for a rookie uh, coach. I really do. I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think this is a good op- this is a great opportunity for him. It's a good opportunity for the Capitals. I think this was a match that was written before any of us knew it, and it just it, it's a great story. It's not as good as the Halpern story. I can still go back to that. That would have been great if, it, especially if it worked out. If it didn't, whoo, that would have been a bad story, a horror. Story. Um, but I, I really like this move. I really want it to work out. I, not just because I want the Caps to be good, but because I think. This is a great opportunity for everybody involved, and I think this is a really important offseason for them to bring in the right players and bring up the right players. And these young guys have an opportunity, and I think they really – because it's not just that they have an opportunity with a coach who's going to give them that chance to play, but it's someone who they know and knows them. And there's no real excuses at this point for any of the young guys to not do well, and except for the fact that they just may not be good enough. Like, that's it. It's not that the coach didn't give them the opportunity because he's going to. I think we know that. So we'll see what happens come, you know, training camp in September or preseason. But, you know, I think the team needs this to work. And the I think it will. I have high hopes. Anything else we should talk about here in Caps World? Uh, let me check the notes, see what else we got going. That actually might be it. Oh, no. Uh, so a little bit of uh, player signing news is that the cap sent in offer to 2022 draft pick Jake Carabella. Isn't that the dude that Ryan keeps sending us videos of on Twitter? Oh, is it? That sounds that sounds way less appropriate than I'm intending for that to sound like hockey videos, not <laughs> other videos. So he he I think that's the dude that that Drury keeps sending us stuff of. Yeah, uh, that so is Cap- him. Yeah, so the Caps will will retain his NHL rights, but they declined to sign draft picks Martin Hugo Haas and Drew Krebs, meaning the team no longer holds their NHL rights. So that I thought was interesting. So um, you know we'll see what kind of happens from that. But when is the draft? And it's like the end of June, right? Uh, I think it's July eighth, if I'm not mistaken. Is it that late? No, no, That's... June 28th and 29th. I, cause before See, the, I knew the... it. Exactly, exactly what I said. Uh-huh. It's right <laughs> before – I feel like it's always right before the, the uh, free agency. Right. Um. Yeah, because it's in Nashville, which is weird. Like, what? I mean, I, I guess uh, – when is it coming to D.C.? That's what I want to know. Is it coming to D.C.? No? Probably not. Anyways. No. Yeah, it June should. 28th, 29th in Nashville – and, um, you know, I think that is what it is. I think the Caps will end up with a, a guy with a lot of promise that probably won't be on the team for a couple of years. And uh, then we even go even at, at the eighth 1st. spot, you think like it's going to be years, not just like I think you're going to get a guy who's like 18 and probably could either be in college or he's going to spend a couple of years in the minors. Yeah, I think after the first like two, maybe three. Unless they, unless Mitchkov falls to them and they somehow get him out of his KHL deal like they did with Miroslavchenko, yeah, it's going to be a while. No, and right. I could well. see, to an extent, I could see uh, Mitchkov falling to them. I mean, the things I'm reading, and I, I'm always confused by this because it looks like uh, Bedard is clearly the best player in the draft, but the people saying Mitchkov's like the purest goal scorer or something along those lines. Maybe I misread it, but like if he falls to them, I think it's a great move because. They've got time to wait for him to come over. Like they don't need, they don't need him like Chicago needs Bedard, right? Or Columbus needed Bedard. So, I think everything's gonna be fine. Um, we'll see who they pick, and you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mitchell fall a bit because of the fact that a team won't have him for a while. And the Capitals are kind of in that weird spot where they sucked this past year, 
but they probably should have been a playoff team if things went well, and they probably hopefully will be a playoff team next season. So they don't need that young guy that they can draft right away. So I do wonder if he's going to fall a bit simply because of his KHL contract. All right, it's you know time will tell. So we'll see. We'll, we'll be doing a show about the draft. I'm I'm sure at some point in the next couple of weeks. So is that it for Caps World? Yeah, that's it, buddy. All right, so that's it for what's going on in Caps World. Now let's go to Chocolate Town. Let's go down on the farm. All right, everybody, here we go. We're going down on the farm. We are talking all about the Hershey Bears as they go for the Calder Cup. Coach Dan, what's going on in Hershey? Well, the only team left playing in the Capitals organization, which is unfortunate, but they are certainly doing well. They are still hunting for the Calder Cup. Now, on Wednesday, they did lose to Rochester 4-1 to in Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals, but Hershey currently leads that series 3-2. to Game 6 will be this Friday in Rochester. That's what's going on down on the farm. I got to tell you, it has been a blast watching these games on NBC Sports Washington. I'm so happy that uh, the Baltimore, D.C. area gets to see some of these games that are going on now. So it's been good to see the Hershey Bears. And, man, what a difference between NHL and AHL broadcasts. It is wild to see, especially as somebody who just loves TV and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, go Bears! Beat Rochester and get to those Calder Cup finals. So that's it for what's going on down on the farm. Now let's go around the NHL and beyond. All right, everybody, here we go. We're going around the NHL and beyond. Lord Stanley's Cup is up for grabs. Coach Dan, tell us what's going on around the NHL and beyond. Well, let's start with the Stanley Cup Finals. As we all predicted back in September of 2022, Vegas and Florida are the last to remain and fight for Lord Stanley's Cup. Florida, the eighth seed, right? The what's Yes, yes. Florida like, was the eighth lit seed. lit a fire under there? You know what? It's like. I don't like the Panthers per se. I actually don't really care about the Florida Panthers. Can I be I like, and I, that sounds meaner than I'm intending. Like Carolina don't care for, don't like the hurricanes. Don't like the organization. Don't like Rod Brindamore. I think he's a smug D bag. Uh, obviously the penguins, flyers, Rangers, they can all, you know, go away. Um, Florida Panther, Tampa Bay, hate them. Probably cause they're really good. And they've been good for a while. <laughs> Florida, I'm kind of indifferent to. I mean, they got the, I, the whole thing with uh, their rats and stuff like that. Like, that's a team that you don't expect to see in the Stanley Cup finals. But, man, what a what a scrappy young team. And they've got a great goaltender in Bobrovsky. So, I mean, no denying them. But Vegas, I mean, Vegas hasn't even been a team for that long. And this is their second chance at going for Lord Stanley's Cup. How crazy is that? Hey, this is a team that was built to win with a little bit of help from the NHL in terms of how they started their team. But this is a team that was built to win, and they're certainly taking advantage of it. I mean, this is a very good team. My only annoyance is I don't like Bruce Cassidy, and he's their head coach. So I don't really know. I don't really have a preference here. You know, I think Vegas is fun. Uh, and so if they have an opportunity to win it, I think it's a great story. I think if Florida wins, sure. You know, enjoy. I don't, I don't really care either way, to be honest. But, you know, I think it'll be fun. I think these are two very good teams. I think it's some good hockey to watch. Let me tell you, over Memorial Day weekend, this is off topic, but uh, over Memorial Day weekend, the E! Channel showed a uh, the entire series of Las Vegas, that, that mid-aughts show that was on NBC. Let me tell you, great show. Uh, I love that it. show. I loved it. So, you know, right. I uh, it doesn't stream anywhere. So when it was no, on No, e, I have four of the five seasons on DVD. Nicely done. Nicely done. I or think I have rare? two or three on DVD. So, yeah. That was a fun show. I loved watching that and seeing it again was a blast. Um, but anyway, so I got to ask you about this. Did you see where they put the Stanley Cup patch on these jerseys? 
Yeah, it looks so stupid. It looks really silly. I get silly. why they have to, because sponsors have paid to have their 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 logo or whatever their their print their crest to have it uh, predominantly displayed. And so you clearly can't be like, we're going to move it because they're going to be like, well, we're paying you millions of dollars. So no, you're not like, this is part of our written agreement. There wasn't a better spot. Right. It, I just, it looks so dumb. I, I imagine the players that don't have a C or an A on their Jersey won't, it won't look dumb, but for the guys that do, it's a little crowded. You think they, they could do something where they could combine both patches just for the Stanley Cup play, like the the final seven games, like have that Stanley Cup patch and have like the C like intertwined with it, like I, you could do something like that. Why not? Put it on the. I was to say you put it on the shoulder, or the arm. Put it on the arm. Why can't you put it on the arm? Yeah. I mean, numbers. Put it on the back. Nah, it doesn't really work the way they want. They want it to be more predominantly displayed. And I do have to tell you, I love the Stanley Cup patch. I like it way more than the 2018 patch. Like it is, it's a classy looking patch. I like it. It's, it's very cool. I and I, I wish they would have come it's out bad. with that just a couple years earlier. It's not bad. Yeah. But anyway, let's let's keep going. Let's go around the NHL a little bit more. Well, let's see what other news do we have. Pittsburgh hired former Toronto GM Kyle Dubas to be their new president of hockey operations. He's also going to be their it's like interim GM, but he's just kind of holding down the general manager spot until mid July when he has an opportunity to you know go through interviews and actually hire somebody. Does Nashville anyone work hired... in Toronto anymore? Well, actually, I'm getting to that in a second. Let's go to that <laughs> one first. Actually, then Toronto hired former Calgary GM. Uh, Brad Tree Living to be their new general manager. He's got a lot of work to do up there in Toronto. And Nashville hired New Jersey assistant Andrew Burnett to be the team's fourth ever head coach. Let's go beyond as Team Canada won gold. Boo! At the World Hockey Championship. Germany won silver and Latvia won bronze, which the country then declared was a holiday and shut down the country to celebrate. Which I know some people are like, that's stupid. I think it's awesome. The pictures have been just unbelievable it's to see. So cool. They were in like the, the this thousands of people showed up at Freedom Square to watch the plane of the Latvia players fly over the square. Like that's how excited these people were for the bronze medal of the World Hockey Championship. That like I don't even think a quarter of the people even know exist here in the U.S. Like it's it's wild how important it is. Take us places. out of it. We 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 don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Americans, we don't understand hockey. Was this ice? It's cold. Right. No. 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 Thank you, sir. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, congratulations are in order for Team USA forward Hillary Knight. She's been voted the IIHF Female Player of the Year for the 2022-23 season. Knight helped Team USA win gold at this year's Women's World Championship back in April. She led all players with eight goals, three of which came in the game uh, that won them the gold against Canada. Ha! Take that. You might have won the hockey championship, but we won the other thing. I don't know. The second of those three was the game winner, making the third time she has scored the game-winning goal at a Women's World Gold game. That's impressive. Yeah. Like, yeah, what are the crazy. odds that you're going to be that person each time? It's also the fifth time she has led in IIHF Women's Worlds and Goals. Another feat unmatched in the history of that tournament. She finished the tournament with 12 points, which gives her 101 points for her career at that specific tournament. And she is the only woman to reach the 100-goal plateau. I'll 100 point. 100 point, what? not goal. Oh, point. Sorry, I read it wrong. Apologies, everybody. 100 point plateau. She now has nine career goals, tying her with Danielle Goyette of Canada for most in her career and 13 total world championship medals, tied now with Canadian Haley Wickenheiser for most. So, congratulations. That is pretty cool. That's the news from the past, however long it's been in the NHL and beyond. Yeah, we. Uh, I'm. I'm so glad that we're bringing up Hillary Knight here because just all those accomplishments you just read off. I mean, that is wild. She's so incredibly it's probably talented. Probably more that we just weren't in relation to this specific tournament. It's yeah. It's it's wild, but like she's 
and she can still go on for a couple more years. Like she's the first uh, woman to hit 100 points. Like she could hit a record. She could hit 125, 150 in her entire career when she finally decides to to hang up the uh, the the skates. But who knows? But congrats to her. What a what a representative for Team USA. Awesome stuff. Well, Coach Dan, is that the show? I think that's it, buddy. All right, everybody. Well, if you would like to continue the conversation with Coach Dan or I, you can. It's real easy. All you have to do is tweet to either one of us. You can tweet to me at Brando Cash while Twitter is still around. Coach Dan, where can people tweet to you at? Find me on Twitter at WTP Coach Dan, talking all kinds of Capitals related stuff as news breaks. I'm also on there talking about Arsenal Football Club. So close, but love the season that they had. On there talking about the other. European football teams that I follow, Dortmund, another one that was so close that everything fell apart and they blew it at the end. Now, that was the definition of bottling a season. On there, talking about the Bills, the Commanders. Brandon, he's almost gone. I can see the finish line. We're Wait, almost this, done. What is this I hear about the Commanders are going to have to change their name again? No, 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 no. I mean, for okay, first of all, they should. Whether they have to <laughs> or don't have to, let's make that happen. Like, that's a gimme right there. I'm not even, like, we're not even going back and forth on that one. Like, yes, it needs to be changed. But they did not win their initial uh, trademark request or something like that. And so that's what happened. I don't know if the terminology I use is correct. Uh, but the the understanding is that they will eventually, it will get approved and everything will be fine. Here's the thing. They don't have to change their name if they don't get it approved. They just can't trademark it, which means... Anyone can make like knockoff commanders merchandise and they can't do anything about it. They oh, should change their name because it's freaking stupid <laughs> and it should be something that's not dumb. So these are two different things going on there. Eventually it's going to be fine. They'll get it trademarked and then I'm going to hate it because then that means they're going to keep the stupid freaking name. But in reality, we're almost gone. We're almost rid of, we're almost free of one Mr. Daniel d-bag snyder well i mean hope, hopefully it works out for everybody and he gets to head out of town and have his billions of dollars that he earned while being a horrible human being and i'm not saying that because i don't like what he's done with the team like he genuinely seems like he's just not a, a good person like when you go around and everyone has to refer, refer to you as mr snyder like what a clown <laughs> Oh, I hate that guy. Anyways, that's finding me on Twitter at WTP Coach Dan. But hey, if you have enjoyed the show, go ahead and check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash what the puck pod. It's where we'll post when new shows are coming out, as well as all other sorts of things related to the Washington Capitals, the Hershey Bears, South Carolina Stingrays, the Hershey Cubs from time to time. They have no real affiliation with the Capitals other than that Boudreaux used to be the head coach, but I feel like they're part of the, the crew. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. And other things related to National Hockey League. That's Facebook.com slash what the puck pod. But Brandon, we actually have some relatively breaking news uh -oh. about uh, 55 minutes ago, posted by Russian Machine. Capitals prospect Alexander Suzdalev was named to the Canadian Hockey League's 22-2023 all rookie team. This is the kid that was playing with Bedard. I'm excited to see what the Caps got in this. I mean, the Caps have a pretty good future in terms of their forwards. You got Suzilev, Miroslav likely Lapierre, McMichael, Protus, uh, Wilson being the veteran of that group. I mean, there's there's a lot to like about. I'm sure I left a couple of guys out that we probably mentioned when we were talking about Carvery earlier. Joe Snively potentially, Beck Malinston. Like these are guys that are going to be, and I'm just talking about the forwards. So there's certainly a lot to like about where this team could be going post Ovechkin. Like, I don't know if they're going to have a rebuild. It might just re be almost like a reboot where they're like, okay, well, we're going to move that out. We're just going to, we're going to do it again, you know, because they've got a lot of young guys that are going to be coming up over the next three years as Ovechkin wraps up his contract and likely his career in the National Hockey League. The future's looking bright. I'm excited to see what uh, everybody does. And this kid, you know, he, we've been covering him. He's won a bunch of, like, you know, uh, players of the month, player of the week for, for the league he's in. So for him to get yet another accomplishment, you have to imagine we're going to be seeing him sooner rather than later here in Washington. I would agree. And if you're like me and you agree 
that you're a big fan of the Baltimore Ravens, you should listen to my Baltimore Ravens podcast called The Call. We uh, cover all things Baltimore Ravens, like big Lamar's contract, OTAs, all that stuff going on. And we are patiently waiting for football season to get here. And if it could get here as quickly as possible, I would absolutely love that. So check out my Baltimore Ravens podcast, The Call, wherever you listen to this show. Now we do this show for free. You listen, stream, and download for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player.fm, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube. All we ask in return is for you to please spread the word about the show. Write us an Apple Podcast review, rate us over on Spotify, and then let people know on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr and Pinterest and Instagram and Reddit and Snapchat and Twitch and TikTok and Hive and Discord, anywhere you're social on the web or with your phone. Say, I'm a Washington Capitals fan. I listen to What the Podcast and you should too so that is pretty much it for the show this week coach Dan what are we going to cover next free agency draft what do we what do we got we got we got so much coming up it's gonna be fun I think I think yeah I think it depends on who they draft right so like if they go and they get Mitch I think you and I can jump in and do a show but the draft is so close to free agency I don't feel like they're going to be that busy in free agency I feel like there's gonna be more trades this summer which means it's going to be more random in terms of when if it doesn't happen at the dead at the deadline, at the draft, I feel like there's gonna be one random day where like I'm gonna get a notification and text you or you're gonna text me and it's gonna be about this trade has happened and whether it's you know someone going out or they're just bringing someone in. Like I feel like that's how that part's gonna go down. All right, well I'm excited at what's gonna happen. It's gonna be a fun summer here in Caps Land. So that is pretty much it for the show this week. Everybody, say it loud, say it proud. Let's go, Caps! This has been a production of Brando Cash Entertainment. Music by DJ Wolfman. Voiceover by Sarah Jacks. For more information, go to brandocash.com.